Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. And then we'll mention another couple of verses as before we actually pray. So um, Dr. Luke writing uh, the book of Acts under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 12, verse 5 says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, he Uh, The same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. So this was really a hopeless situation for Peter. I mean, there's, uh, there's the prison wall, there's the chains, there's the guards, there's probably 16 to 18 guards. Uh, We would call him in bondage. And um, verse 7, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and the light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. So my sight was captured by this fifth verse, and i just like to walk through briefly this fifth verse and primarily three words in this fifth verse, of the church, of the church. And really what came to mind was um, the church is the tool in God's hand for dispelling darkness and setting people free, and prayer is the tool in the hand of the church for dispelling darkness and setting people free. So I'm going to identify, obviously, that there are local churches, but there's also a universal church, of which, if we know Christ as our Savior, we're all a part of. So there is this, these two words in Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, without ceasing. And uh, we, could, we know that this has to do with earnestness and fervency but the word actually has the context, it has the, the meaning of being stretched out. So this is like a runner running to the finish line and just with so much zeal and so much passion and strength and even desperation, uh, stride, stretching out his or her stride to get to the finish line, um, giving everything he or she has in the race. So these are not sweet little Prayers. These are zealous, passionate prayers, pleading for others. And that's what I would, I would like for us to do today, even in our prayer time. If God brings some unbelieving person's name to your mind, maybe somebody in our group that we've mentioned or somebody that you know of, let's just strive for their salvation Let's plead for their salvation. So this is without ceasing. This is stretched out praying. And then the words of the church. So uh, this is uh, of, the, of the, the gathering of the Lord, whether it be in a local gathering or a Zoom gathering. And in my Bible, I wrote these words, if not us, who? If not us, who? So uh, I was listening to a podcast as I was flying and and the the podcaster was commenting on this verse and uh, he mentioned um, 
This is not the government's responsibility. This is not a political thing. This is not a school's responsibility. It's not an academic thing. This is a church responsibility without ceasing of the church. So really, we hold the key. We hold the key to deliver people by the power of God. May we pray as the church. Then they prayed unto God. Unto God. He is the only one who can act. And I'm going to mention a person's name here in a few moments that I sat next to in the plane last night, and, and I'm going to be asking us to be, be praying for him. But um, be thinking about this. It is only God that can work in somebody's heart. We know this. But do we feel this? Do we sense this? Do we crave this? Um, we Yes, we pray, and the reason that we're gathered is to pray for um, revival and awakening, and we would pray that God would do mass evangelism and mass deliverance, but also then individual, little by little. Let's be praying that unto God, unto God, that um, I heard somebody, and maybe I've even mentioned this before, when sometimes when we act, even in all zealousness, when we act, we can bring friction. But when God works, he brings fruit. So let's be praying for God to work on the inside of, a, of an unbeliever, of the church, praying to God. But then there's, a, there's an interesting um, part in this, or at least maybe an observation in verse 7, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. So as the church was praying, and Peter didn't know the church was praying. He knew that the church often probably met for prayer. But, um, but as the church was praying, we know later that this was happening. So I think it's interesting that there was a reward, maybe even an unknown reward. This church was praying while Peter was in prison, and they were praying for Peter in prison. But they didn't know the angel of the Lord was going to bring light and remove the shackles and um, I just think it's very interesting that the, the two dimensions going on here, the church praying and the working of the Lord in prison, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. It was the reward of the praying. God sent an angel, um, and in my speculation, I was, I'm kind of a dreamer of sorts. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just thinking, could God have done this to keep Peter out of prison, sent the angel? Yes, he could have done that. Could God have done this as soon as Peter was put in the, the prison? Yes, he could have done that. But God chose to wait and respond to the praying of the church. So uh, it was a reward, even an unknown at this time reward of the church. And um, what this, this fellow I was listening to comment on this verse, he said, the angel did not have to sweat or blow a trumpet or push any walls down, he just brought in light. He just brought in light, which replaced the darkness and, um, and raised up people. Peter, even with a smite. Uh, that must have been a pretty powerful smiting to raise up Peter. But there was deliverance. And we can pray for, as a result of our praying, let's be praying for deliverance of hearts bondaged hearts, hearts in darkness that need the light of the gospel. 
And would it be that God would respond to our praying? We don't, prayer is kind of a mystery to us. We don't understand why God partners with us, but he does. And um, but look at verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Verse 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. Now, this is the verse that came to mind as we were talking earlier, and I can't remember which Brian it was that was talking about um, knowing when to act and knowing, or knowing, I can't remember exactly the application, but this verse came to mind. And um, at some point, Rhoda decided to stop praying and act and walk to the door while others continued to keep praying. So uh, that's probably not a real heavy theological point, but it is interesting that there are times when we just got to stop praying and go to work. Um, There's other times when we keep praying, and we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to give us that wisdom. But then verse 16, but Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And uh, I love Acts chapter 2 and verse 43 where it says, and awe came upon every soul. And, um, and there's many times in the scripture where there's awe or amazement. And I heard somebody say, astonished is the missing word in the church. Do we have astonished people in our churches? Do we have people in awe in our churches um, amazed at what God is doing? I would say largely, possibly, if we're gauging the awe by the participation of those praying in our churches, um, people are not amazed at the church. People are, are not ama- in awe of God. They may be maybe academically in awe, but really in amazement at who God is. Um, I think, yes, God wants to bring change. And let's be a praying church, a praying church, and encouraging others as we would do. This is preaching to the choir, but um, I just love those three words, of the church. If not us, who? Why do we meet? We're meeting for revival and gospel advance.